You are now listening to the Lights Out Boxing Podcast, proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. This is Faisal Khan for Lights Out, proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. And this is podcast 43 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. With me today, delighted to be joined by Usman Mahmood, a.k.a. Hey Chef. Hey Chef, welcome back, my man. Thanks, man. I told you I'd be back and I'm here to stay this time. Well, that's why we didn't call it a comeback. You've been here for years, right? I have been here for years, and I'm uh, ready to make another splash on the scene. <laughs> hey, Chef, bubbly as always. Uh, before we get started, just a quick few reminders to the people out there. If they want to check out more exciting Lights Out Boxing content, make sure you hit that subscribe button, like, share, and comment. And if you want to know more about Lights Out, don't forget to check out our social media platforms. The links are below in the description. Um, we've got a lot to talk about in today's show, um, and if anybody wants to listen to this in in the audio platforms, links are going to be below in the description. But as I mentioned, HF, we've got a lot to talk about, and we have to start off with what went down last night um, in the 147 welterweight division, a fantastic fight between Terence Bud Crawford and Showtime Sean Porter. It was a, a brilliant fight, but in the end, and still... Crawford uh, retained his world title last night with a victory over Sean Porter. Um, before we get into what's next for both fighters and the nitty-gritty, we have to talk about the fight itself. Um, a lot of people had it down for a potential fight of the year candidate. Mm. Do you think it lived up to the expectation? Um, well, it won't be fight of the year because I think that has already been set by Fury and Wilder 3. But it, it definitely did live up to his billing because Sean Porter always comes to fight and all of his fights are always ex- uh, explosive. And I knew with Bud's counter-punching style that it will gel well. And uh, I'm glad I did stay up for the fight because I was mesmerized by the performance. You were supposed to ring me as well before the fight started. I got up before you. Yeah, I did. I did. But uh, I was so keen, excited about the fight that I kind of forgot. <laughs> but I will make up for it next time. I hope you do, HF. But none- nonetheless, it was a... A very very good fight you know the skills of Terence Crawford and the the relentless come forward uh, stance by Sean Porter it was a a tremendous fight obviously the fight ended by Terence Crawford um, winning in round 10 Uh, Porter's old man Kenny Porter throwing in the towel after Porter was dropped twice in the 10th round but you know prior to the ending of the fight what was your scorecards leading up to that 10th round I had Crawford slightly up by one or two rounds but not much it was close going into the last few rounds, and obviously once uh, once Crawford got the two knockdowns in, it kind of became a case of Porter having to uh, then stop uh, Crawford. Obviously, his father didn't allow that to happen, but we all knew what was coming next. Yeah, I can't, I've got to agree with you on that. Um, and listen, uh, before obviously round ten, I actually had Porter ahead. Um, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I thought Porter was the more busier fighter. I thought he was the more successful fighter. Um, but Crawford, nonetheless, until that uh, round 10, he was he was very much in the fight. A lot of people had it pretty much even. I had Porter ahead by a couple of rounds. But as we've said about Crawford, the one thing about him, he is one of the best finishers in the game. and You could kind of sense that Kenny Porter knew what was coming. And you mentioned... Um, before the podcast that Kenny Porter only did that because it was Porter's last fight and he didn't want to see his son go out. But we, we sort of, we had this in the past where fighters want to go out and it on shield. You know, Deontay Wilder in the second fight with Tyson Fury um, was very critical of Mark Breland and got rid of him because he said that he didn't want his trainer to stop the fight. He wanted to go out on his own shield, kind of like how he did in the third fight. 
But do you think in the right, in the end, the right decision was made? I think it was more to do with the fact that it's his father managing him. He didn't want to see his son get hurt. As we know and seen before in the past, that Crawford is an awesome finisher, as he done against uh, Jose Benavides, Amir Khan, and Kelbrook. Uh, I wouldn't want him to see my son at the, um, at the mercy of Crawford, so I probably would have done the same thing, given the fact that he did become a 10-7 round, and uh, Porter was not looking like he's going to stop Crawford. He was behind the scorecards, so I think it was a case of Quitting whilst, or not quitting, but it's choosing the safety first approach, letting uh, Porter go out with his senses intact and with his respect intact. Crawford's a great fighter, so there's no shame in losing to him anyway. But since then, obviously, Porter's announced his retirement, so he had that at the back of his mind anyway. Uh, but yeah, tremendous career by, uh, by Porter. He's fought everybody he had to fight face in the division. It's no shame. He won some of them. He lost some of them. He made a lot of money. He's got all his senses intact. He's still got a job with uh, PBC commentating and in the studio. So good luck to him in the future. Yeah, 100% a phenomenal fighter. Uh, you look back at some of the fights he's been in. I mean, you know, the fight with Errol Spence and now this fight, he genuinely has fought the best fighters at the 147 division, you know. He fought Thurman, Spence, Brock. Berto, uh, uh, Brona, Cotton, no, you know, fought Cotton, fought Brooke, yeah. He beat Danny Garcia, uh, he beat Berto, he beat Brona, so he's had a good run. He won 100% and he's a former two-time uh, champion of the world and listen, I think he, he bows out with the greatest respect and I think, you know, hats off to him and I think... The and the best thing you could do is that no one can ever say anything bad against Porter because he's a respectful guy in the ring and outside the ring. That's how you want to leave your legacy. 100%. Talk a bit about Crawford. You know, a lot of people were saying before the fight that Crawford hasn't really fought a, a come-forward fighter with that relentless engine that Porter uh, possesses. And a lot of people were asking the question, how does Crawford deal with that at such... Well, I wouldn't say the latest stages of his career, but at a certain age that he is at now. How do you think Porter hand, sorry, Crawford handled well, Porter's uh, engine last night? Well, I actually had, I actually did predict that Crawford did, will, yeah, that Crawford did. will stop Porter, uh, and I, I predicted predict that based on the fact that Porter is a comfort fighter, and Crawford is a good counter puncher with a lot of power, and he's got a mean streak to him. So I knew that at one point or at some point, uh, Porter would land, would walk into his punches, and it's exactly what happened. Uh, Porter went forward. Crawford stepped it back, come back with the uppercut, dropped him first time round, did it again second time round, until his father had seen enough. Mm, yeah, well, well listen, this is why we say Crawford is one of the best out there. I mean, um, you have a look at previous fights, such as the Kelbrook fight, I think it was round three or four that he stopped him in. Um, prior to the knockout, you know, he, Kelbrook was doing very well in the fight, and a lot of people had him winning those few rounds that they did fight. But I think in the end, when you look at, Crawford, he's he's a, he's a he's a tactician. He figures people out. It kind of reminds me a bit of Canelo. You know, it takes him a few rounds to figure a fighter out, and that's what I, I really like about Crawford. Porter obviously retired after the fight. Crawford moves forward. We know that his time is up with top rank and Bob Arum. He is now a free agent. When you look at Terence Crawford and his resume and what he's achieved, does it baffle you that a fighter of this caliber is a free agent right now in boxing, especially when he's at 
the real prime stages of his career. I think fighters are now starting to realise that the best route for them is to become free agents. They can negotiate and fight at any network. That's what Canelo is doing right now. Hopefully, Paul, uh, uh, sorry, Crawford, well, uh, he did say in the press conference afterwards that he's going to leave Bob Arum because he couldn't get him to Spence fight. So, hoping he goes and joins PVC and gets a Spence fight. And if they and when they think it's trust do eventually fight, I am going to go for uh, Crawford to win on points against Spence. Uh, I've said that since day one. I always favor the boxer over the brawler. Spence can box as well, but. I just, I just, I just like Crawford a lot more. Can't even like moved on to the next part of this topic, but we'll discuss. What there's just gonna... so much to talk about with Crawford. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. One hundred percent. You know, there's even a, a couple of people said last night that he should consider a move up to one five four as well, and even that's something he said he'd be open to. But we'll talk about what is yeah. next uh, for Terence Crawford and the, the rest of the landscape of the one four seven division. <laughs> um, when you when you discuss the the current pound for pound list right now. You've got great fighters in this, such as Canelo and Inoue, you know, Usyk, Fury, you know, Josh Taylor. There's many great fighters that you speak about. But where do you rank Bud right now in that list? Top two, I would say he's second behind Canelo. Uh, Canelo's become undisputed at 168. His only loss was to Floyd Mayweather eight years ago. Um, it will take a lot to move to shift Canelo away from the top number one pound for pound. But Crawford is really, really up on his neck right now. And obviously, if he does defeat Spence, then I might just put AC at the top. Well, well, let's talk a bit about that potential fight with Errol Spence. That's the fight everybody wants to see. When we started off this year with our first podcast, we talked about three fights we'd like to see. And one of those was Terence Crawford versus Errol Spence. Uh, Errol Spence was at the fight last night. And you kind of seen his reaction when the fight was over. He just got up and left the building. Um, I would have liked to have seen him climb in the ring and sort of, you know, spur, stir the pot a little bit, if you know what I mean. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, he was very critical of um, Sean Porter's old man. But that's a fight that the world of boxing wants to see right now because you can't sort of, you can't really, look, everyone's got their opinion, but you can't, it's hard to say who really is the number one fighter at 147. And the only, the only way to determine that is, is for these two to eventually get in the ring and have that fight that the world wants to see. We've got Spence right now with the PBC. We've got Crawford, who's a free agent. I actually think Crawford will sign with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. I can just see it happening. And I actually think it would benefit um, Terence Crawford if he goes with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. I just think the better the calibre of the fighter, the more Eddie Hearn manages to get out of. And with him coming into the late stages of his career, I'd like to see Crawford go with someone like an Eddie Hearn. I mean, it, I'm shocked that Bob Arum never renewed his contract and thought about the next step of his career but listen each to their own the fight with Errol Spence is the fight I want it's the fight yeah. that you want it's the fight that everybody in boxing wants I does it happen in 2022 I think it does but I don't think uh, the best move to is to go to Eddie Hearn because Eddie Hearn doesn't control the welterweight scene that is obviously controlled by Al Heyman PBC mm. you've got Spence Porter Danny Garcia Ugas all these guys fighting on PBC so best move for Crawford would be to fight on PBC Network. So you can actually see Terence Crawford going over to the PBC just... On a fight-by-fight basis, yeah. Uh, I think what they need to do is the only thing stopping the fight from happening is monetary split. I say put it down the middle. Crawford's got his uh, credentials, so has uh, Spence. Mm -hmm. Cut it down the middle, 50-50. 
give us the, give us fans the fight that we want to see. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think you've got two phenomenal fighters, you know, two of the very best fighters that the 147 division has probably ever seen. And it is a massive shame that that fight hasn't happened. It is part of a number of fights that we want to see as boxing fans that is yet to happen. I'd like to believe that there's still a bit more time with both fighters. But, you know, listen, we've, we've been talking about this fight since Spence beat uh, Sean Porter. That was all the way back in 2000. And, 19 we're now moving into 2022 and the year is almost up but listen it's the inevitable that's the fight that you want to see you know uh, both undefeated fighters you know and if, if if you look at it there's not much left in the 147 division yes you've got your Dinas Ugas and yes you've got Conor Ben who's a rising star but I think if these two do fight there's not much out there left in 147 there's not. There's not. Danny Garcia's uh, lost to Spence already. Mm-hmm. Lost to Porter. Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman. He's Robert gone. Burnley. He's gone into hiding. He's plus he's lost to Danny. Go- uh, no, he, he lost to Pacquiao, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's tucked away right now. There's not. There's no one left. You got a few up and coming stars such as Jamal Herring, but they're not ready for the big time yet. Mm-hmm. Conor Ben, I wouldn't put him anywhere near to these guys right now. He's got too much to prove. Plus, no one outside of Britain knows him yet anyway. Let's leave him out on the side. Uh, next fight has got to be Terence Crawford versus uh, Aaron Spence. Mm-hmm. From there, the winner may move up. Although, at 154, I don't know how, how strong that division is. I know you got one of the Charlos there uh, who trains with Aaron Spence. So, I don't see them guys fighting. Mm-hmm. you got Jarrett Hurd, mm-hmm. who Looks has gone a bit well. quiet, though. Mm-hmm. Mungir has moved up, so... Uh, the only better fight that makes sense is for these guys to fight each other. You've got Josh Taylor. I think he's a bit too small for these guys. He'll get stopped by either of them. Uh, he's got his eyes on Tiafimo, who's a, another division below that. So, like I said, there's no no one else for them to fight. It's exciting times for boxing. You know, you've got a lot of potential matchmaking out there. Um, before we move on to the next topic, we have to obviously discuss Sean Porter. What was your most fondest memory of his career? I would say his fight against Keith Thurman was really good, really exciting. I think it was like fight of the year. He done the same thing against Errol Spence. Uh, I just remember him for his tenacity in the ring, his skill level. He's short or stocky, but you don't people don't realize he's really quick on his feet. Mm-hmm. He's got a sharp shooting jab. He's relentless, and he's a nice guy. And he's he's done a lot out of the sport, he's given a lot back to the sport, and he goes off into the sunset with his held head held high mm-hmm. and there's no shame in losing to the fighters that he's lost to maybe could have beaten Brooke uh, based on what Brooke went on to achieve which is not much more than beating Brooke, uh, Porter himself mm-hmm. so that's the only downside of his career I would say I think Porter was is a better fighter than Brooke he maybe should have won that fight uh, I, I think for me the most I, I mean a lot of people might think well, why would you choose that as his fondest Moment of the career, but I loved the Errol Spence fight. I think that fight prior to the knockdown could have gone either way. I actually had it um, as I actually had Porter up, Porter up at that point before okay. he got the knockdown. And once Spence got that knockdown, it just sort of you know pushed him up into a further lead, obviously making it 10 8 round. But that's for me, that's one of my all time favorite fights. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a lot of questions asked of uh, Errol Spence at the time, and of course, people were saying, Has Sean Porter still got it? You know, can he still hang with the big boys? That, 147 pounds but I I loved his fight with um, with Errol Spence and I think the performance he put on that night nobody deserved to lose that fight but obviously Spence 
just done that a little bit more by scoring that knockdown. That's a fight that could have gone either way. But listen, a true boxing great, you know, very, very privileged to have seen him throughout his peak careers. And he'd be missed by the boxing world. But listen, he's still got his Port Away podcast. And as you mentioned, he still plays a part in the PBC um, uh, broadcasting side side of things. So exciting times um, for the 147 division. But listen, we all want to see that huge fight between... Uh, Porter and Crawford. Let's uh, move on because obviously there was a Spencer Crawford. Sorry, Spencer Crawford. Let's let's move on. Let's talk about another fight that happened on that night. Uh, the, sorry, the night before between Demetrius Andrade and Jason Quigley. Um, Demetrius Andrade retaining his world title by stopping Jason Quigley in round two. Uh, it was pretty much inevitable what was going to happen in that fight. And that's no disrespect to Jason Quigley. Um, Demetrius Andrade moves on. Is he going to get a big career-defining fight next? Who knows? Uh, but listen, he only got two rounds of it. But what did you make of it? I think Andrade showed his uh, class. Andrade knew he had to put in a big performance mm. to try to entice Charlos into the fight. I don't think that'll happen anytime soon. I don't think anyone's queuing up to fight Andrade because he's he's a high risk, low reward kind of uh, fighter. Um, it's a shame, really, because he's been fighting for a long time, but he's not had that career defining fight yet. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what he plans to do next. I don't really see too many guys queuing up to fight him, which is a shame. But it, this is what happens in boxing sometimes. He's in, he's in the bracket of who needs him. We, I, I, we did an interview with uh, Paulie Maninaji, um during last week. And he said that two of the most criminal things in boxing is one, Dillian White's not got a shot at the WBC title or any uh, part of the world heavyweight title. And he goes, the other one is that Demetrius Andrade. With the age that he is at, he has not had a career-defining fight. Now, listen, whether it's at 160 or 168, the career-defining fight was probably that fight with Billy Joe Saunders, which never went ahead in the end because of the whole knees and spray incident. But I spoke to Adam Smith as well last night at the Sky Sports Boxer Show, um, and he said he's got a sort of, he's got a stance and he's got an approach that no, no fighter likes to go against. And he's a southpaw as well, and he's got power when, when he wants to use it. He's got skills. He's a former Olympian. But hey, Jeff, would you not think that one of the big fighters out there, whether it's at 160 or 168, should look at that and think, well, he's got a, a style that nobody likes to go against. I can sort of, like, do wonders for my career if I take him on a beat him. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a world title as well. Exactly. Uh, which is why I'm a big critic of the Charlo brothers. I'm not sure which one it is. I think it's Jamel Charlo mm-hmm. who is in that division. Because for me, Jamel Charlo is in the same bracket. The, these Charlo brothers talk a big game. They always go up to the fights and try to cause a scene. But when it comes down to it, they have not fought anyone. The biggest win of Jamel Charlo's career has probably got to be um, Ericsson Lubin. Lubin, I did rate highly. highly. Um, but I don't know why Charlo's not fighting uh, Adrade. They both need each other. Uh, it'll be the biggest win of their careers. So. I have to say, I was quite disappointed with the fact that Eddie Hearn never made Andrade versus Golovkin. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like the fight between Morata and Golovkin, but I just thought at the time, you know, because of obviously we'd lost some of the year due to the pandemic, and now we've got full crowds back in attendance. I liked the, the fight between Andrade and Golovkin, and I thought that would have been a fight that Eddie Hearn would have looked to have made. But what we've got now is obviously we've got Golovkin taking on Morata, and then we've got Andrade, who's just won against Quigley. And then also we've got Eubank versus Williams. We've kind of got like a like a, a Robin Round sort of thing going on where the winner could potentially fight the winner. But is is 2022 going to be the year where we can see 
an Andrade in with a, a Golovkin or a Eubank or I don't know, maybe even a, a Billy Joe Saunders or Wanda Charles because I, I look at Andrade, right? Now, I've got certain opinions of Andrade. Do I think he's a good fighter? I think he's a decent fighter. I don't think he's on the level of Canelo. I don't think he's on the level of Golovkin and I certainly think Billy Joe Saunders would have schooled him a few years ago, right? Demetrius Andrade comes out during the week and he questions Canelo's record. I'm not being funny or anything, right? But when you look at who Canelo's beaten, forget throughout his career, throughout the last year, and yes, we had this debate on our last podcast, who's Demetrius Andrade beaten? Who is he for? I think it's more down to frustration. Uh, he's frustrated that Canelo's getting all the plaudits, uh, fighting a, a winning an undisputed belt at a weak division. You say it's a weak division, HF, but again, back to the point is he beat three undefeated world champions at the time within 11 months. Yeah, but I don't rate the guys who he beat, though. I don't rate them. I don't rate Callum Smith or Billy Joe Saunders because these guys had not beaten anyone prior to the fight. And same for Caleb Plant. Uh, who was their biggest win? That's that's my problem with them, with that. Um, that's And that's basically what Adwadi is trying to say as well at the same time. Andrade is just frustrated. I disagree with you when you said that Billy Joe Saunders would school Andrade based on what? Billy Joe Saunders has I mean, a, he hasn't fought, he hasn't fought anyone either. Um, there's a lot of these, there's not, these big record, fights are just not happening. If you look at Billy Joe Saunders' record and you look at Andrade's record, I think Billy Joe Saunders has a better record. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know them records by heart. But I just look at the styles. I think Billy Joe Saunders has a better names on his record. Eubank Jr. That was like uh, 10 years ago. Doesn't matter, it's still a win, isn't it? Eubank Jr. Uh, Eubank Andy Jr. It's another hype Who's job. the guy from um, from Canada that he schooled? What's his name again? Um, the, the, the guy from Canada. <laughs> my mind's gone completely blank. Beat the guy from Canada. You know, but again, I just find it... I, I, I just find it kind of embarrassing that he's questioning Canelo's record. Lemieux. Lemieux, David Lemieux, that's yeah. it. You know, that the yeah, but Lemieux was never punch bag. But it's still beat him, though, isn't it, in his own back. But look, forget about that. You only talk about records all day long. Mm. Your thoughts on Andrade questioning uh, Canelo's choice of opponents. And can Andrade trouble uh, the likes of uh, Canelo or Golovkin at this stage in his career? I think he's got more of a chance against Golovkin uh, based on Golovkin's style, come forward style, uh, and Andrade can potentially become the counter-puncher and do well. Mm -hmm. Although Golovkin's a massive, massive puncher. And he's not he's not flat footed, he cuts the ring off well. Uh, I don't know how much Golovkin's got left in his tank now. Obviously in his prime he would have battered Andrade, mm. but he's not in his prime no more. I'm not gonna talk about Andrade with Canelo because Canelo has nothing to prove and we all know the outcome of that fight, what that would be. But so you think it, Canelo would beat Andrade? Yeah, yeah, of course I would. Convincingly? I um, I don't think he'd be him convincingly. Andrade will have his moments because mm. he's a good boxer. But I think Canelo will eventually suss him out and possibly stop him late. Well, either way, listen, it's another guy who's yet to have a career-defining fight. And he's, what, 31, 32 years old now? Probably a bit older he's, than he's, that, he's, yeah. He's, it's frustrating because there's so many boxers out there without career-defining fights. There's so many fights to make fights. Like 160 and 168. You know, there's even Munguia. Yeah. I like that fight. Yeah. You know, there's I think Munguia might be fighting... Who is he He's fighting? just beating Rosado. He's just beating Rosado. Rosado. Maybe Rosado. he might be fighting Golovkin. Well, look, either way, there is a handful of fights to be made. And, you know, one of the names we mentioned is Chris Eubank Jr. 
Um, he takes on the guy that Andrade beat earlier on in the year, Liam Williams, December the 11th at the Motorpoint Arena in Cardiff. Um, obviously, at the moment, that fight's kind of up in limbo because there's rumours circulating around the boxing world that the fight is off due to an injury that Liam Williams has picked up. I uh, spoke to Adam Smith last night and he goes, it's all just rumours at the moment. Nothing's been confirmed as far as he's concerned. It's all systems go for December the 11th. You can check out that interview um, on our channel. You can check out other interviews as well. Make sure you hit that subscribe, subscribe button. But um, we just have to go with what we know. The fight is still on. Mm. We've heard, we haven't heard anything from Eubank. We haven't heard anything from William. So we're just going to go with what we know. The fight's still on. Um, do you like the fight? I do like the fight. I think it's more. I think it's a good domestic fight. I think Eubank will beat William Williams up badly. I think Williams' style is tailor-made for Eubank. Eubank throws lots of combinations, power punches, and Williams a comfort fighter, and he's just gonna walk into big, big shots, and uh, his face is gonna get busted up, and the corner will throw in the towel. You can really see Dominic Ingle throwing in the towel. On the I can vision, vision the fight right now as we speak. I think I think Williams is going to have his face busted in. Can I just give you my point of what I think of the fight? I think it's a very good fight. I think um, it's a good way to end the year as well. I think it's uh, obviously Sky Sports and Boxer need to put on big fights. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of it. But I just think the fact that Chris Eubank Jr. is still fighting at British level at this stage of his career mm. just tells you everything that's wrong with him now no that's why i said he's a hype job. no disrespect no disrespect to liam williams i really like liam williams i thought he put up a half decent performance against andrade and you know he's got the heart of a lion and he will fight mm. anybody he's yeah. chased this fight for years but when you are the son of chris eubank senior and you come on into the boxing world and you've got so much hype around you and your old man said that oh this kid's going to be the next floyd mayweather this kid's going to do this this kid's going to do that and you're fighting at British level at, what, 31, 32 years old? That, for me, just tells me everything we need to know about how Chris Eubank Jr.'s career has been handled. Now, I'm not saying it's entirely his fault. Um, I do think he's wasted a number of good years in his career. And I do think he's not lived up to his full potential. And I think Eubank Jr. is a very exciting fighter to watch. And I think with the right tools, and if he sticks with Roy Jones Jr. throughout the duration of the rest of his career, and he picks up on what Roy Jones is trying to teach him, he, he can easily become a much better fighter. But the way his career has been handled, 31, 32 yeah, years old, he's fought good love, he's fought, sorry, he's fought James again, he's fought George Groves, he's fought Bill Joe Saunders. He's still having these British domestic fights at this yeah, age. Yeah, he's, he's, he flopped really badly. He is, he is be, his biggest fight was against George Groves. I personally thought he would win, but he flopped. He got schooled by a Groves who was pretty much past his prime. As shown in his next fight, he got stopped by Callum Smith. Um, he lost to Billy Joe Saunders. He beat a way past his prime James DeGale. And that's what that's just summarizes Chris Eubank's career. From what you sorry to disturb you, Hitcher. From what you've seen of him with uh, Roy Jones Jr., I think it's the three. I think it's three fights they've had. Sorry, it's two fights they've had. Have you been impressed? Have you seen anything different that makes you think he's capable of going on and winning a world title? Well, who has he fought? Under, you know, he's, under, he's had a lot of time out of the ring. It's just all about easing him in. I think Eubank Jr. will have, will be a good good fighter, but he just doesn't have. He just maybe he does have, but he doesn't know how to use the jab. He's got a good fundamentals behind him, but he if he jabbed more, I'm a big fan of the jab. If he jabbed more, he'd become a good fighter. But he doesn't seem to use it. He just wants to go in there, 
and blast you away and that doesn't always happen not against elite level fighters anyway and that's how George Groves pretty much beat him with one hand well either way listen I, I agree with you on that but I, I, I do like Eubank Jr I think he's exciting but I just think that it's, it's, it's the case of slowly it's becoming he's like a big ticket seller he's, he's, he's big name because of his name he's exciting he's a trash talker but he doesn't he doesn't uh, he, he doesn't uh, show anything in the ring where it matters the most. Let's talk the, this fight with Liam Williams. We know it's not going to go the distance. Liam Williams is a come forward, forward fighter, so mm. it's Chris Eubank. Um, I think with basing boxing IQ, I think Chris Eubank can beat Liam Williams. I don't think he needs to you know, have the same approach as he did with George Groves. But I do think that Liam Williams might sense vulnerability in Eubank here because Eubank Jr., we've seen in the past... When he's gone into fights and he's left himself open, i.e. the George Groves fight, he's been hurt. You know, mm. you've seen the state of him after the fight against George Groves, even though Eubank almost stopped it right at the end. I'm not ruling out Liam Williams here. I do have Eubank as my favourite, but how do you see this fight panning out? I think Liam Williams has got a lot of heart, mm -hmm. but I do also think Eubank's got a really good chin, and Liam Williams doesn't punch hard enough to trouble Eubank Jr. Uh, Eubank's just going to just throw fast combinations, into a coming coming in Williams and uh, he probably stopped him on cuts or something. Well look, fingers crossed that the fight's not off because I definitely fancy a few days in Cardiff. Me and you had a, a great day out a few years ago with the boys going to watch Anthony Joshua take on Carlos Takam in the Principality Stadium, you know, the Welsh fans, the Welsh dragon. Yeah. They like to come out in their numbers. And and we, did, we didn't meet the FF too, didn't we? <laughs> We sure did meet the FF. Yeah, he did get kicked out. Well, we didn't get kicked out. That's the main thing. Uh, I, did, I did put hot dog in Shane's drink. <laughs> you did, mate. I was there. But look, uh, hopefully we get to go to Cardiff and watch this fight because it's a fight that I'm looking forward to. I could definitely do with a couple of days break. Um, we talk a bit about what went down at the WBC convention the other day. Um, it's just really, really blown up what went down at that convention. We start, So we start off with um, what went down with the heavyweights. We all expected the WBC to order the fight between Tyson Fury to defend his title against uh, the body snatcher Dillian White. In the end, the fight was not ordered um, due to an ongoing arbitration case. The word that seems to be appearing a lot in boxing these days, especially when it comes to the heavyweight division. Um, I have to say I was disgusted by that. Right, I know you're going to have to say, give, give me a second. I have to say I was disgusted by that because... Let's be honest with each other. You've got Joshua Usyk rematch is going to happen. Who else out there is the ideal opponent? You've got to say it has to be Dillian White. Some fans have been saying on Twitter he deserves it because of supposedly picked up an injury before the Otto Wallin fight. And some fans are saying he's, he tried outpricing himself when he got offered the fight with Joshua, the rematch in New York. I'm going to disagree with that because this guy has beaten Rivas, Lucas Brown, Chisora twice. Joseph Parker, you know, he, he put it right against Alexander Povetkin. What the WBC are doing to this guy is is an absolute disgrace. It's disgusting. It's a disgrace to boxing. For me, the WBC is one of the most respected governing bodies in boxing. I've got it down as the most famous governing body in boxing. But what they're doing to Dinia White right now is, is below the belt. I feel, I genuinely, I feel bad for Dinia White. And I just, I, it just makes me think, right, you've got an arbitration going on with Dillian White. For whatever reason, there's no need. To, that doesn't mean we have to stop the fight. Let the fight go ahead. Order the fight. Tyson Fury's come out yesterday and said 
interviews he wants to be fighting in February or latest end of March. I am appalled by the WBC's decision on this HF. Um, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer here. I think had there not been an arbitration in place, the fight would have been ordered. So that's all they're waiting for right now. They're just waiting for a final decision. Once that gets cleared up, then they will eventually call Dylan White to be summoned and uh, presented as a mandatory challenger to Fury. But if you look at the arbitration case between Fury and Wilder, that went on a, for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, I don't know what that was over. I don't really know what this one's over. We, we can't I don't, really I don't, I don't see... Sorry, Hitchif. I don't see Tyson Fury wanting to wait around. I watched his interview with IFL TV last night. Shout out to IFL TV. And he goes, he's not waiting around. He goes, he will fight come February, March. There's rumours of a potential fight with Joe Joyce. Listen, let's... You have had your opinion on Dillian White. Oh, he, he tried to get more out of the jo potential rematch with Joshua in New York. Let's get real, HF. This guy has beaten all the top heavyweights apart from the, the well, the top three or four, whether you include Wilder in that. There's something's got to give for Dillian White. You can't... You can't say this is right what they're doing. It's, what they're doing is criminal. I'm appalled. I'm disgusted. I, I'm really, it upsets me to see a fighter like Daniel White, regardless of what your opinion of Daniel White is, he's for everybody. He has never once shied away from a challenge. And he's still not been given his shot that he deserves. How many more years is he going to be the number one mandatory with the WBC? Yeah, but the thing is with that is... You've got rematch clauses, haven't you? You've got Wilder and Fury. Wilder's had the WBC belt for a number of years now. Uh, he fought Fury has, Fury has. No, Wilder had it first, didn't he? Oh, yes, really? yes, yes. And he fought Fury. Then they had a rematch clause. And then he won the arbitration and ended up having a third fight. That's pretty much what's prolonged Dylan White's opportunity. Uh, in the meantime, he was presented a fight against Joshua, which he turned down for his own reasons whatever they might be, obviously lack of uh, uh, funds that were presented to him. Uh, it's, it is un unfortunate, but I can see why it's taken so long for him to uh, to be given this opportunity. But it will happen. It will happen soon. When? When's it going to happen? Uh, I, don't know, I don't know when it happened, but what, I think what? next year, I think next year he'll fight Fury because obviously AJ's got unfinished business. Uh, that's a big fight in itself. I don't know whether I, AJ can beat Usyk based on his last performance. Maybe if he changes his game plan, which I'm sure he's working on right now, he can't just out-muscle and outsize Usyk, which I'm hoping he does. Well, uh, I think Fury will take care of business with White, uh, and then then we get, then we get the we get the big fight. But it's not a big fight anymore because. Let's be honest, man. I don't see anyone beating Fury. Definitely not AJ. Um, I think Wilder had the best chance just based on his punching power. He tried. He, he, he landed some punches, knocked Fury down. But Fury's just fucking unstoppable right now, isn't he? And I 100% agree with you. And I've been saying it since Dusseldorf. He's the best heavyweight in the world. And you're like, no, he's only beating one guy and this and that. You know, he had to take three victories against Johnny Wilder for you to agree with that. But I'm glad you're on that on that hype train right now and I'm glad yeah. you finally come to your senses but that's a discussion for another day um, obviously we've we heard Bob Arum done an interview as well and he said he likes the idea of making Tyson Fury versus Joe Joyce I think it's a half decent fight do I think it sells out a Wembley or a man mm. or, or an Old Trafford which we know Tyson Fury wants to fight in the UK next I don't think it does I think maybe it definitely fills out the MEN maybe even the O2 
Um, would that really excite the British public? No, Joe Joyce. Yeah, he had a good win against the Bois. He, he's, a good fighter, he's, he's a good fighter, but he's just way too slow. He's way, way too slow. Uh, he had a good win, but that's all there is to it. He doesn't really excel in any other, any further levels beyond that. I don't see him ever winning a world title. He's older though. He's got a great amateur yeah. background. You know, he's yeah, he's fresh. He's fresh, he's but good fighters at heavyweight. Do you not think the only he way? No, no, he doesn't because the, the guys who are holding the titles are just at a different level. You got AJ. Um, Joyce doesn't beat AJ, Joyce doesn't beat Usyk, Joyce doesn't beat Fury, Joyce doesn't beat Dylan White, Jace, Joyce don't beat Wilder. It's just a good domestic fight, just to keep the Fury uh, in the ring, that's it really. So let's let's say for example, you know, we don't get Fury versus White, uh, we're definitely not going to get Fury versus the winner of Usyk and Joshua, maybe perhaps at the end of 2022 or even going into the following year. Let's say you had to pick the opponent, right? You had to pick Tyson Fury's next opponent out of that, you know, that bunch of heavyweights that you could potentially pick. Who would you put him in with if it's not Joe Joyce or Dylan White? Because there's a chance it might not even be Joe Joyce as well. Well, there's not many left. There's Obviously, there's Andy Ruiz lurking around, but I don't see that fight happening anytime soon. I don't think it will happen at all. Andy Ruiz has got a lot, lot of making up to do after his shit performance last time round against Joshua. He beat, uh, he beat that. Ariola, but he got dropped as day yeah, as well. Yeah, it wasn't a convincing um, They're kind of running out of opponents now. I think uh, Fury can fight AJ mm -hmm. several times over. I think AJ is still to fight Wala. He can fight him several times over. That's still a big fight. Uh, AJ and Dylan White will always be a big fight. Mm -hmm. So these guys can kind of fight each other several times over and give us fans big fights for the next couple of years. But... But besides them top three or four guys, there's not any other guys out there who could trouble the big boys. You, you mentioned uh, Andy Ruiz fight, and I was actually, before obviously we, we we started filming the podcast, I was actually thinking to myself, who is an ideal opponent? And I actually thought of Andy Ruiz as well. And I'd like to see Ruiz versus White. Well, um, Ruiz versus White, yeah, another good fight. There's obviously uh, rumours going around that Charles Martin is going to fight uh, Luis Ortiz. It's you know, not a bad fight, you know, but would I want to see, uh, want to see them fight. two fight Tyson Fury? Probably not. Um, I don't think Daniel Dubois is ready. I think he's got a, a little bit more rebuilding to do. Um, you know, there's, there's Joseph Parker and Derek Chisora fighting a rematch. I don't, I don't think they'll be they'll give Tyson Fury a chance. We've all seen. Um, Rahman. <laughs> Rahman. I, don't, I, I would have loved to have seen uh, Muhammad Ali versus Tyson Fury, but yeah. obviously. I want to see uh, Muhammad Ali versus Rahman. <laughs> Anyway, listen, enough of Rahman, did I? So, we talk about um, the next opponent. You know, you've got to look at the top two candidates are going to be Dillian White, Joe Joyce. But if you had to look outside, if you had to think outside the box, I'd probably go for Andy Ruiz. You know, Tyson Fury is always, I don't know why, but he's always spoken about a third fight with his old pal Derek Chisora, as he likes to say. Yeah. I don't like, I don't want to see a third fight between them two. I don't want to see Derek Chisora in the ring ever again. All right, all right, you. come on. Let's go a bit easy. Give Delboy a bit of credit, mate. And then obviously you got Joseph. Derek Chisora is just basically known as the guy who loses, loses all of his big fights. HF. Yeah, he loses big fights. He loses all of his in. fights. Yeah, he's still on pay per view. Did Derek Chisora not put up a better performance against Usyk than Joshua did? Yeah, because 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 he actually came to fight. AJ didn't come to fight. AJ was gun shy. He's he's lost his he's lost a. That fear. <laughs> he, he's got too much fear in him now. He doesn't want to punch. 
throw punches because right, it's okay. going to get so, are, are we right to agree that if it's not White and it's not Joe Joyce, we wouldn't mind seeing an Andy Ruiz fight? Because listen, with, Andy, with Tyson Fury. Yeah, but it'd be a bit weird because Ruiz is like five foot two and Atlantis is like seven foot one. Look how tall Joshua was and what Ruiz done to him in the first fight. Don't yeah. look at size, don't look at power, don't look at records. It is heavyweight boxing, baby. Yeah, it's like one two fatties in the ring. You might as, th- might as well throw me in the ring too. <laughs> I'm a triple threat match. I think if we threw you in the ring, we need, we need half the crowd attendance just to get your fat ass in the ring. Anyway, uh, look, uh, <laughs> we'll move on. we uh, talk about a couple of uh, more things. Uh, Sky Sports Boxer Show last night. Richard Reactpool won his fight against Girodola. Richard Reactpool's been talking a lot about um, Canelo Alvarez. Obviously, we know one of the other things is Canelo Alvarez, the WBC, awarded the fight with um, Ilunga Makabu. Uh, before we talk a bit about the Sky Sports show, um, thoughts on Canelo going out to Cruiserweight? Yeah, I think he's just there to make history, similar to what Roy Jones did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went up Roy to Jones didn't win a Cruiserweight title, though, did he? He won the German Cruiserweight title, but he never won yeah, the World I don't think, I don't think he did, yeah. Uh, he went into heavyweight, he fought John Ruiz, he wanted to come back down and that's where it all went wrong for him. Cause... I'm going to ask you one question and I'm sorry to disturb you, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say Canelo wins a world title at Cruiserweight, he unifies against either Abradis or you know, Lawrence Ocoli or whoever's got another... No, he's, that's title. not his intention. But, but, but I'm just saying, all right, let's say he doesn't then. Let's say okay. he wins a world title at Cruiserweight and he stops Macabre convincingly. Do you rule out the possibility of him going up to heavyweight? Yeah. Because he's not going to win the world title, not against Fury or AJ. That's ridiculous. You've got to remember, this guy started his career at 147. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only going to Cruiserweight to pick up a belt. Do you think people said the exact same about Roy Jones Jr.? Yeah, Roy Jones started at 160. That's like two divisions higher anyway. What's the difference between Cruiser? It's what, 205? Two divisions. Two divisions. Like cruiserweight and Heavyweight. It's 205. Two yeah, but he divisions. picked out John Ruiz because of the fact that he can beat a John Ruiz, which is... The same reason why uh, Canelo is choosing Makabu because he's probably the weakest of the bunch. Like I said, he just wants to create history and become a title holder. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more to it. Uh, Makabu gets payday. Payday. No, fuck Makabu is payday. <laughs> uh, but that's all it is to him. Canelo will pick up a belt, come back down again. But the problem is. Is it a good move to move back down again? That's the problem. Cause, You're looking forward to Because after that, it? because as we saw with Roy Jones, when he moved back down, he ended up getting knocked out by Tarva uh, because there's just too much for his body to take. You're looking forward to seeing him at Cruiserweight against I personally don't want to see him at Cruiserweight. I don't see there's any point. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a point, but um, there's bigger fights out there. Uh, so you, like, I want to see him fight Benavides and Jamal Charlo. And uh, there was another name. I'm not Maria. jumping on. I'm not jumping on the uh, Benavides tra- uh, bandwagon with you. I just think you know if you if you talk about Caleb Plant and you say oh that, okay Golovkin yeah go for third fight with Triple G. I'd like to see. I'd like to see the fight with Munguia. Um, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry if I, I can't agree with you on the whole uh, the whole Benavides fight. But how does this fight pan out for you? Because it was apparently rumored to be set for May. Uh, well, I've not seen much of Macabre uh, besides oh, besides yeah, the Teddy Belly fight. Yeah, obviously, I think I think he hurt he or dropped. Belly down yeah, he hurt, yeah. didn't he, in the first one, one two rounds? Mm. Belly's a big puncher. He's a bigger guy than uh, Canelo. He's got a massive left hook. He landed that against Macabre, and he won the title. That was a that was a long while ago. Now I think twenty fourteen or fifteen. Mm. Uh, since then, Macabre's aged by six seven years. So. Maybe that's what another thing another thing that Canelo sees. Mm-hmm. 
So hat software if it wins, um, but it's just it's just picking up a piece of uh, a title. And it's becoming another world champion at another yeah. another weight. And I think he'll walk through Macabre, but listen, it's boxing. You never know what could happen. Sky Sports Boxer Show last night. Uh, Richard Rackpool won his fight against former world title challenger Juradola. He looked very well in doing it. He was very convincing as well. A very good performance. Can Riakapur get onto that world stage now with the likes of the Bradises and the Akolis and maybe even the Macabres and the Canellos? Uh, well, I wouldn't put Canelo in there yet because we don't, we, I don't see him as that a cruiserweight. We don't, I don't see him as a cruiserweight. Uh, him versus Akoli, obviously, it can be a big British fight. Akoli, uh, he might say he's got bigger fish to fry. I think he probably wants to move up to heavyweight as well. Mm -hmm. Eventually, uh, the cruiserweight division has never really excited me. I don't really pay too much attention to it. Um, so. Uh, you not asking me about cruiserweights is an option. <laughs> I like I like Richard Riakapur. I think he's definitely going to pick up a world title at some point, and I wouldn't rule him out going up to heavyweight. But the bottom line is, it, it's a dud name though. Yeah, dud name doesn't matter if it's a dud name yeah. or not. He's a very good fighter, a very skillful fighter. He had a number of years at the ring, and he's got a good story behind him. So What's the shit riding anyway? <laughs> it'd, it'd be a, it'd be very interesting. Dan Aziz. Dan Aziz last night winning the British light heavyweight title against Jose Burton. The killer Dan Aziz, big Dan Aziz, a very, Dan very, Aziz. Interest, a very interesting fighter. Uh, Dan Aziz, uh, do you know what? I've never actually heard of him before this fight, mm -hmm. but I saw the fight against Burton and he did well. It was uh, a, he it did was absolutely a, batter him on the ropes. It was a destructive performance from Dan Aziz last night, and I had done an interview with Dan a few weeks ago, and he was, you could tell that the guy was looking to put on a show, and he was, I believe he won every second of that fight. Um, he was just in control from the first minute to the last. I kind of just saw after the first minute of that fight because I was there live last night. I knew what was going to happen. Feel sorry for Jose Burton. I thought he put up a, you know, he he, he put up a. He's seen up better up, days. He's seen better days, but I just Dan Aziz was just com completely on another level last night. But what I like about this is just another name added to. I want to see Dan Aziz against Yard on these Dan days. Dan Aziz, Anthony Yard, uh, Lyndon Arthur, when Josh Watson, Arthur, and that's um, next weekend, December the fourth. But what from what you see? And seen, who else is fighting that night? You got Hamza I think you've got. Uh, no, I think you got uh, Devin Haney, haven't you? Devin Haney's gonna fight. Devin Haney fighting? No, you mean TFM? No, TFM's fighting on twenty seventh. I think the following week on the you got Devin Haney. But yeah. either way, Richard, let's let's just stick on. Yeah. Let's just stick to this. Dan Aziz, as I just mentioned, Yard, Boatsi, uh, Lyndon Arthur, uh, Callum Smith. Is he ready for those fights? Here? I don't think he's ready for Boatsi. Boatsi's gonna take off his career. He's gonna become the head, the leader of the division. Mm -hmm. uh, Ahead of uh, Callum Smith. Callum Smith is Callum a Smith is a good fighter. Um, that's a good fight, actually. How tall, how old is Calum Smith? His early thirties. Yeah, um, that's a good question, actually. Calum Smith's a good fighter. Because that, the difference between those fighters is Calum Smith managed to win a world title at a lower division, yeah. so he's got that extra experience. He's won yeah. the Muhammad Ali Trophy as well. He's been in big fights. I, I did rate Yard at one point, but um, I realized once he lost to Kovalev that if you can't beat an old Kovalev, then you're not really the big hype that you are. That you're being portrayed as to be, because obviously the following fight, Kovalev did um, lose badly to Canelo, so it kind of shows you what level Yard's at. I don't think he lost badly to Canelo. I just think Canelo just waited patiently for the right time and just. Canelo, as soon as he stepped up a gear, he knocked, he took uh, Kovalev out. But let's Danazis just kid Danazis. 
Is he's a good British level fighter. He won't win anything at the world title level. He knows that himself, which is why he's asking for all the British guys to mix it up at uh, with him, because um, I'm I'm sure he's he understands that he he's won't. He's 31 years old as well. Yeah, he's 32. Yeah. yeah, but, listen, but he's, he's got a good style to him. He'll sell right. tickets. He speaks well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks apart. I want to see him fight maybe the loser of Yard versus Lyndon Arthur. Potentially might not be no way back for the loser of Lyndon Arthur and Andy Yard, but we'll have to see. It's an exciting uh, division. Is a light heavyweight domestic wise. It's, 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 it's a big year for boxing next year. And I just uh, fingers crossed that we do. I think it. I think if I get into shape and with the right training training behind me <laughs> and the right nutritional uh, coach and conditioner and a gastric uh, band as well uh, and and a few miracles. Yeah. And a few slips, ducks, and dives. Uh-huh. I think I could. I think I could be. I think I could be. Think if every takeaway in Bedfordshire got closed down for six months, we, you might actually have a chance. Uh, there's always a chance. Uh, I've seen you uh, spar with Shane in the um, in his uh, the Ali Boxing Club, Gulma Club. It is as well. I was out of shape that but day. But yeah, you've, you've got you've got a finger too about you, HF. You know, maybe I could promote you, and we could uh, take you to that next level. Are you the southern area level, and then just call it a daily. I would much rather fr- prefer Southern Fried these days. <laughs> oh, what's a foodie, always a foodie. All right, listen, that's all we've got time for on Podcast 43 HF Entertaining. Let me just showcase some of my skills for all the non-believers. Look at that. Yeah. All the non-believers. You watch too much bloody um, four lines in your day. But HF, listen, a pleasure as always. Well, I've got dynamite here either. You know what, HF? You actually look a bit like Cash Ali with that hat on. Do you know that? No, FF. Anyway, listen, hey, Jeff, pleasure as always. Thank you very much for jumping on our 43rd podcast of the Lights Out Boxing podcast. And guys out there, please remember, if you haven't already, to hit that subscribe button, like, share, and comment for all the latest Lights Out Boxing podcast content. Uh, check us out on all our social media platforms. And uh, let us know what you thought of today's podcast in the comment section below. I'm Fessel Khan. He's Osman Mahmoud. Sponsored by Lucas A. sponsored and proudly sponsored by the one and only Spartans. Well, massive shout out to our sponsors. We are Spartans. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Thank you very much for listening to Podcast 43 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. <laughs>